Hey, it's episode two of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And you're joining us on the 6th of June of 2021. Uh, joining us uh, today is going to be a really exciting topic. It's E3! 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 E3. E3. Yeah, that's going to be next week. So we're going to be talking about that and doing all the ins and outs and doing all our usual preview, as we normally do. Also coming up, we're going to talk about uh, officially releasing on cartridges in North America for the first time. Get equipped with Mega Man, the, the Riley Wars, coming to Sega Genesis. We're going to talk about Sailor Moon. Uh, going to bring a long time dreams of fans on Netflix. Uh, we're going to talk about some TMNT. Also some more Nintendo news. We're going to tell you a bit more about the Owl House Season 2 trailer and also the upcoming uh, podcast we're going to be doing for the uh, for Old School Lane. And also we're going to be talking about how Among Us shaped chicken nuggets has sold for nearly $100,000. There are two, some people in this world with far too much money. This is Aaron and Patricia on the 6th of June of 2021. Uh, Patricia, I mean, do you want to uh, introduce us to uh, what's going to be going on on the Old School Lane podcast while we're, while we're at it? <laughs> I mean, I might as well. If so, um, as of the recording of this podcast, so tomorrow on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, and many places, that is when we're going to be releasing our podcast discussing about season one of The Owl House. And, oh boy, we got a treat for all of you guys. We have so many amazing special guests. Uh, who are joining us on the show. Uh, we have Michael McKinney, a.k.a. Fusionator, uh, Paul Thomas, a.k.a. Gunter Fray 1992. Um, we have um, Timothy Murphy from A Look at Disney. And we have Rebecca Rose, uh, who you may know on YouTube, who covers a lot of stuff uh, relating to the Owl House. So uh, we're going to be talking about that tomorrow and then on Wednesday, it's going to be released on YouTube. So uh, you do not want to miss this. Mm-hmm. It is going to be an exciting conversation, and uh, no doubt we're also going to be uh, diving into uh, some Season 2 uh, theories as well. So uh, if you have uh, not had a chance to uh, uh, delve, or if you're one of the lucky fans who got an early uh, viewing of uh, the first two episodes of Season 2, then you might want to check us out, because uh, we're going to be talking about that as well on the show. Um, we are also going to be uh, having the return this weekend of the Aaron Matter Show. We are going to be covering all the news and politics that are currently going on here in the UK and also in the United States of America. We are returning to our old roots uh, on the Aaron Matter Show podcast feed, so definitely check me out uh, for that if you're really into that kind of stuff. And also, we're going to be uh, delving a bit further into uh, uh, some 90s nostalgia and also some various other stuff too. So yeah, that's going to be uh, really, really good too. But anyway, that is on Old School Lane, and that is on the Aaron Meta Show. This is Aaron and Patricia, and we are going to be doing the coverage of the schedule for E3 2021, and uh, really a difficult time, no doubt, for E3, I think, uh, definitely in with recent events with the pandemic and everything like that. So uh, once again, a lot of this stuff is going to be virtual, and uh, it's uh, really going to be, once again, another kind of downplayed uh, E3, and uh, also uh, not going to be taking place, I believe, at the Los Angeles Convention, as uh, what it has done in the last, uh, you know, good couple of years, like the last, you know, two decades so it's uh it's, it's gonna be pretty interesting considering that there has been a lot of stuff that's been going on and i'm sure that they're really excited for you to cover it mm-hmm. so um no doubt well yeah let's get on with that then and uh, we're going to talk about the stuff that's going to be going on at e3 this year on 2021 so uh come saturday we are going to be treated to ubisoft forward and uh, i have to say with the uh, current controversies uh currently uh, surrounding the company right now i think uh, you know they really need to find a, a good distraction i think uh, for uh, everybody in regards to uh you know uh, what they're going to be bringing out and uh, some of the announcements that they're going to make 
Oh, man. Like, the fact that... I mean, did you even expect of the controversies that Ubisoft uh, revealed last year? I mean, I didn't for sure, but yeah, I mean, they really need to clean up their act, and they really need to step up their game in order for them to really bring themselves back on track. Yeah, I mean, the big... I think the big surprise is going to be, obviously, more stuff that they're going to be bringing up for, um, for, for Far Cry, which, uh, you know, obviously is one of their signature um, you know, series, but uh, I think... Also, uh, they're going to need to uh, do some more stuff in regards to that as well. I mean, I, I understand there's going to be like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I think is also being talked about. Uh, Rainbow Six uh, Quarantine is also D3. Mind you, with the word quarantine, then I think at the minute, I think uh, the less we think about pandemics, I think the better, to be quite honest with you. But uh, they, uh, I think they just revealed that they're no longer going to call that, which is good, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. Then I, I, still got a, I still got a news article saying that, so that's still going to be a thing. But uh, so um, also, uh, Ubisoft claims it uh, won't abandon uh, PS4 version of Far Cry 6. So th there is going to be a PS4 version, apparently, of uh, the new Far Cry game. Uh, yeah. There. So that that was uh, one of the early things they wanted to. Do. Also, um, according to a CBR, Ubisoft must release a new Rayman and Splinter Cell and other games, according to them. So, oh, that, that's good, considering that they haven't released a new Rayman game since uh, Rayman well, Legends. They, 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 well, no, they, they're saying in this news article over a CBR that they should do. Whether they will do oh. or not, I'm not entirely sure. Which, uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're definitely right, Patricia. I think a, a Rayman game, I think, is long, long, long overdue. You know, like, it's been almost a it's been almost a decade since uh, Rayman Legends came out, and uh, man, that was a bit of a rough start considering that that was originally supposed to be a Wii U exclusive, but then they decided to delay it for uh, an additional few months, saying uh, we want to wait until um, we can release it to all the other ports, and then sales of it kind of dwindled down compared to Rayman Origins, even though Rayman Legends is a far better game. And, you know, it's uh, then when we had the comeback of the rabbits when uh, the Mario characters crossed over and then, uh, yeah, it seemed like the Rayman franchise kind of like dwindled down a bit ever since. Well, which is, which is really sad when you think about it. Like, unfortunately, like uh, Rayman's kind of gone down the Gex route at this point. Like, uh, I mean, it's uh, for, for such a, you know, a, a beloved character, too, is a very sad uh, place to be. And uh, I just think that uh, they, they really do need to come back with a Rayman game, I believe. And uh, they, they need something that kind of, like, is up there with... Cause I think Rayman could be up there with Mario and could be up there with Sonic. I really do. You know, like, it was it was one of the most beloved PlayStation characters, I think, uh, back, back in the day. And uh, the fact that it's not up there with those types of mascots, I think, is, I think is a really crying shame. It, really it is do. a crying shame, to be quite honest. I just wish that... I mean, I, I know that we're, we're going to cover this a little bit later when we go to Nintendo, but... I mean, if they release uh, Rayman in Smash Ultimate, then I'm sure that we'll be singing a whole different tune. Mm, we'll see. Like, uh, I mean, I think in Nintendo's eyes, I think um, what will be what will be the uh, what will be accomplished by putting Rayman in that game? I mean, like, uh, he's not been around in uh, quite a while. I mean, if there was a Rayman game that was going to be coming out and then all of a sudden he appeared in Smash Brothers, that would make sense because obviously it would be like, oh well, you know, Rayman's going to be coming back soon. Let's put him in as a character and let's uh, put him in there. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he even got like, you know, you know, like you can, like customize your Mii's in uh, Smash Brothers. I'd be very surprised if you got customizable things for that. You know, let alone like Rayman actually being in the game. So, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, another game that was um, announced was Riders Republic, which is a multiplayer extreme sports game, and that's supposed to come out later this year. It was originally supposed to come out in February, but then they delayed it so that they could work on the game a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I mean, like sports games. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put that to uh, to Ubisoft, really. Like, you know, we know EA is like you know the the king of like you know uh, of games. 
of like sports games, if you will. Like uh, I was listening to, uh, funny enough, I was listening to the uh, Super Nintendo soundtrack for uh, NBA uh, Live '96. It's such a kick-ass soundtrack. And uh, but you know, when you think about sports games, you do kind of like you know put EA to them, even though they're such like a boring and dull company. Like at least you know the sports games at least kind of hold up. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, it's not the thing I necessarily will put to Ubisoft, really. I think Ubisoft, obviously, we talk about, you know, quite fantasy and, uh, you know, platformers and, uh, you know, like Splinter Cell and things like that. We kind of, like, go into more adventurous territory, I think. Uh, whether sports games kind of, like, uh, is something I would have quite Ubisoft to. And I could be wrong. I mean, there could be games out there that Ubisoft have done, and uh, I've not played them. Uh, but uh, for me, I think uh, Ubisoft is just kind of sticks to what they're good at, in my opinion. Yeah, and the only thing that um, Ubisoft had announced uh, in addition to all the new games is all the DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Rainbow Six, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, uh, Mythical Mythic Quest, and um, uh, Watch Dogs Legion and For Honor. So at least we'll be having some DLC for all their previous games as well as some announcements for new games. So yeah, that's what we know about for Ubisoft for now. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on, we've got, also on the same day, we've got Gearbox, obviously, putting their hat in the ring to uh, see what uh, they can, uh, what excitement they can get out. Um, I've not really seen, like, any announcements from what I can see from Gearbox, so I'm not entirely sure what their what their agenda is uh, over at um, the, there at the minute. I mean, um, obviously, Gearbox, um, they were the ones who obviously did Opposing Force for Half-Life, and they also did uh, various other uh, games as well. Uh, what uh, they would uh, say that they've got in the pipeline, I'm not entirely sure yet, but uh, yeah, whatever they uh, bring out, I'm sure, but I'm sure somebody will be pleased about it. So. Yeah, and not only that, but um, Xbox and Bethesda will also be presenting their stuff that day, as well as Square Enix. Really? I thought they were on another day. I thought uh, it says it says right here for um for oh that's for Sunday, Sunday yeah, yeah so, so yeah, so, yeah so, okay. we don't have anything to say for, we don't have anything to say we don't have anything to say for Gearbox since they didn't reveal anything so I just decided ah oh, you know we'll just go to the next one okay so let's go to Sunday so but Xbox and Bethesda obviously Bethesda now part of the Microsoft uh, family now pretty much and so uh, they're going to be doing a joint showcase uh, according to this so um, anything that uh, picks your eye at the moment uh, Patricia, in regards to Xbox I mean. I, 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 has there been any like upcoming announcements regarding about DLC for Doom Eternal? Um, well, obviously, I mean, here's the thing. I think uh, the last Doom Eternal left off with uh, Doom Slayer obviously being put to rest. So uh, whether there's going to be any more DLC after that's going to be in- interesting to see if they would actually do that. I mean, obviously, the big thing I think coming from Xbox and Bethesda, I think uh, the showcase will obviously be Halo Infinite. Infinite. I think uh, that's definitely going to be the big thing. I think Halo fans have been eagerly anticipating what uh, is going to be shown, and uh, especially after, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Craig the Brute became the the thing that came out of the last E3. I'm not, I think, uh, Microsoft are hoping to aim a bit higher than that, I probably would imagine. So, what, what have we heard from him since then? Uh, probably not very much. Not very much from what I can see. I mean, there's not been much buzz, at least from my circles and social media anyway, about uh, Halo Infinite. But uh, all we got, all we know is that it's going to be an, uh, the next uh, chapter in uh, the Master Chief's uh, saga, and that's all we know for now. Well, I mean, if that's all we know for now, that's all we know for now. So, um, I, I'm hoping that Bethesda can be able to. Um, I know I, they they said that maybe you, you were saying earlier about um, Doom Eternal maybe p- be putting to rest. So, uh, I, I mean, I know that they already finished up with Wolfenstein. So maybe they can do another one of their uh, classic franchises and maybe like bring it back for a new generation. Like, what would happen if they brought back Quake? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like, at the moment, in regards to Bethesda, I mean, like, uh, there's all just kind of like uh, most of the articles. Uh, I don't think they've actually announced anything, as far as I'm aware. I mean, uh, all these articles are just like speculating of like uh, what Bethesda might do and like uh, all their IPs and everything like that. By the way, uh, I mean, in regards to uh, the acquisition, I think of Bethesda by Microsoft, I think it's a, a very good uh, way of uh, obviously getting uh, you know eyeballs, you know, obviously to. Uh, uh, to to Microsoft products, so uh, I think uh, you know they got so many things going for them, Bethesda, and uh, no doubt I think uh, they uh, will uh, have a good working relationship, no doubt with uh, with Microsoft in regards to uh, you know exclusive releases and things like that. So I think uh, this was this was a very good move, I think uh, for yeah, uh, it definitely a, a much better move than when Bungie left for Activision. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so in regards to, uh, Bethesda, I mean, like, nothing I can see right now in regards to, uh, just basically just saying, oh, these are all our IPs in the last 25 years and things like that, but, uh, let's see what they have to bring to the table, and, uh, no doubt we'll uh, see what's, uh, what's going on. Mind you, there is, um, going, where am I saying, there's a huge anticipation around Elder Scrolls, uh, I think it's Elder Scrolls 6, not 6, sorry. Six. Elder, yeah, it, it is. It, it, it is, is Elder Scrolls 6. 6, yeah. So there is anticipation around that, so, uh, let's see what goes on with that, and, uh, yeah, we'll just go from there. Yeah, uh, Square Enix has a lot of things that they're going to be showcasing in E3 this year. So uh, the first one is going to be, I believe, a brand new game, uh, or no, it's uh, updates. Um, updates to a lot of their games. Uh, Babylon's Fall, uh, Life is Strange True Colors, the Marvel's Adventure game, and uh, the new game, which is going to be uh, their um, uh, Black Panther, no, Black Panther War for Wakanda, which is an expansion for Marvel's Adventures. But I think that the new game that they were like hinting at is going to be uh final fantasy 7 the second installment because the first installment came out i believe last year and a lot of people were like really uh loving the game they said it's a great um update to a classic playstation game from 1997 and uh they're waiting for the second installment which takes them further into the story so uh, there is going to be a um, much more refined uh, expansion for Final Fantasy VII Remake called Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. And then there's also the announcements about uh, Final Fantasy XVI, um, if people are going to be waiting for that announcement. But as of right now, there hasn't been anything yet. And then um, there's also the talks about a brand new game from Eidos Montreal, and it's going to be a it's going to be making a world premiere, and the showcase will last for 40 minutes. So this should be really interesting. We don't, I mean, Eidos Montreal, um, you probably know them. They were the ones who did the Deus Ex remake. So maybe there'll be a third Deus Ex game, or maybe it'll be something completely different. We're not sure, but. Yeah, that is what Square Enix promises that they're going to be showing for this year's E3. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, there's talk around the campfire that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game from Square Enix will also be talked to as well, apparently. Yeah, that... So. that- yeah, that should be really interesting too. Will be as well. So, um, also, uh, the Square Enix also uh, designed a pride mascot for and one and what they want fans to name it. So, uh, whether that's going to get talked about within E3, I'm not too sure. So, interesting. Uh, it's, it's Pride Month, so no doubt it would be very. It'd be, wouldn't be surprised if they decided to uh, finally announce a name for this mascot or uh, whatever they want to go for it. So, yeah, no doubt about I that. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Okay, right. Uh, we're going to Monday, and Capcom is going to be uh, next up. And uh, mind you, Capcom, legendary company. I mean, Mega Man. M- we need I say more? 
I mean, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, oh, I mean, we're going to talk a bit more about Mega Man during the show, but uh, apparently uh, there is some, uh, uh, in- there's some interesting news that unfortunately is kind of distracting from E3 at the moment. That is that an artist says that Capcom stole uh, her photos for Resident Evil Devil May Cry games in a lawsuit. So oh. uh, that that's taking over news cycles at the moment. And so Capcom, no, no doubt this will be quite bad news for investors, facing a $12 million lawsuit after a data leak allegedly showing you know, stole photos from Resident Evil, according to this. So right. uh, we'll, we'll don't know what's going on about that. But mind you, in lighter news, uh, there is uh, some uh, interview going on for uh, Phoenix Rise Ace Attorney Translator, uh, Janet Hisu, about Cam- of Capcom. And so uh, she's currently doing that at the moment. And uh, yeah, so uh, unfortunately, yeah, but uh, this whole uh, thing that's uh, wrapping around uh, Capcom at the moment, and uh, not to say that Capcom hasn't also had its uh, spare controversies itself. Unfortunately, it's uh, going to be dogging it as it goes into E3, trying to and it's trying to announce stuff to uh, try and distract everybody. So yeah, exactly. So as for Capcom stuff, there are some talks of what people expect for Capcom to release. Um, the first thing that people have been wanting for the longest time is Dragon's Dogma 2. Uh, Dragon's Dogma was a game that came out, I believe it was 2009, 2010, that was considered to be a failure on release. But there have been talks over the past few years from the creator Hideaki Itsuno saying that maybe um, that there might be a possibility that Dragon's Dogma 2 would come out because he is working on his next game. So they think that maybe that uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 would be revealed in E3. Uh, Another thing that's been uh, talked about uh, that everybody pretty much knows at this point, Resident Evil 4 is getting a remake. Everybody knows about this. Well, Resident Evil 4, I think, is probably at least my favorite out of the whole Resident Evil franchise. So, yeah, I love it. And also, it just it has so much going for it as well. So, um, I love uh, working around with Leon Kennedy. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, the uh, Ashley is played by the same uh, voice actress who plays Sandy in uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. So, I think, uh, you know, it's uh, she's uh, very well seasoned in, uh, obviously, her performance. And so, you know, I think um, there is a lot of uh, juicy stuff in there to uh, get involved in. And so, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me in the slides is that so uh, we're going to be getting another you know, remastered resident evil 4 so well um, it's not a remaster it is a complete remake from the ground up you, you've noticed like remember like the resident evil 2 remake and the resident evil 3 remake where they took the the graphics and they uh, altered it and they um changed the storyline a little bit they tweaked it they changed some elements that were completely different from the original well that's exactly what's going to happen for this resident evil 4 remake it's not a remaster just like the other ones that happened it is a complete remake from the ground up well, that's and interesting like what what else different could they do with this well um in resident evil 2 the remake there are some different rooms that weren't even in the original and in resident evil 3 uh they tweaked off the characters uh with um i believe uh, jill valentine and um the character that she meets up with along the way their dynamics is a little bit different and the rooms are a little bit different the monsters are actually a lot stronger so uh especially um the the main one so uh, I think that they will make some like tweaks to the Resident Evil 4 remake. I mean, I don't know what they can be able to do with it, considering that it's still a beloved game, but uh, that it should be really interesting. Uh, Resident Evil 2 remake was unanimously praised by a lot of fans. Uh, Resident Evil 3 remake, not so much, considering that they also had to do another multiplayer game in conjunction with the Resident Evil 3 remake. So... 
uh, Resident Evil 4 remake, I think that they are going to do the same thing that they did with 2 remake, in which they're going to put in all of their manpower, because very similar to like Square Enix, where they know that Final Fantasy 7 is a beloved game by fans. They know that Resident Evil 4 is a beloved game by fans, and they better not screw it up, because there's going to be blood. Uh, well, so, well, I think uh, I think, I think they're aware that how beloved Resident Evil 4 actually is, and so I think uh, in that regard, um, I don't think there's going to be too much to worry about, but... Uh, you know, I think uh, let's just see how it goes, and uh, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll critique as we go along. I think. So. Yeah, and then there's also some more Resident Evil games that have been announced, such as Resident Evil Outbreak and Resident Evil Revelations Three. Uh, those are going to be coming out, I believe, uh, this coming fall, but they will be showing some previews at E3, from what I heard. And also, there will be some DLC for Resident Evil Village, which is Resident Evil Eight. So um, there will be some more announcements with that. And um, as for like any other major stuff, I think that um, Monster Hunter will be having another game as well. Monster Hunter Stories 2 Rings of Ruin, which is going to be coming out this July. So um, as for like any other of their stuff, such as Devil May Cry or um, Street Fighter or anything like that, we don't know. We haven't heard anything yet, but definitely the big eyes for this year is definitely going to be Resident Evil, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So that's our eyes on um, Capcom at the minute, so uh, let's see what else they can uh, bring, bring to the table. No doubt there'll be some surprises as well. Uh, also on that same day, it's going to be Take-Two Interactive. They're also going to be uh, bringing us uh, something there, so uh, what's the uh, latest on that? Um, Take-Two Interactive, a bit of a quiet one, very similar to Gearbox. The only thing that we do know, um, is that there was a, um, leak from a Reddit user known as Swine underscore Flu underscore Greg, which, great name, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, and, you know, he, yeah, anyone who leaks anything on the internet is not going to go by their original name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, but... I know, I know. Anyway, so they, uh, according to that source, they say that uh, there's going to be a major announcement regarding about something related to Borderlands. So um, it says that um, they're going to, also there's going to be a um, a Marvel XCOM game, according to what this person said on Reddit. So XCOM, for those who don't know, it's kind of like a shooter strategic game where you get to, um, you know, take over uh, various enemy uh, forts and areas and you have to be able to be really strategic in being able to take it over because they're aliens and they conquer the world and you need to be able to um, save humanity by being very strategic and shooting them down so now they're announcing that there's going to be a Marvel version of this and as for Borderlands there's going to be announcements of a spin-off series as for which character or um, maybe uh, which um, scenario of Borderlands is going to have the spin-off I'm not sure but according to this Reddit post that uh, apparently that inf this information was leaked online and they claim it's legitimately real it's not fake so yeah that's what we can expect from uh, Take 2 if 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 the Reddit person said that it actually was real so yeah. a borderland spin-off and a marvel XCOM game yeah i was gonna say i think leaks now i think are very difficult to kind of like uh, keep, keep concealed because obviously they've got to tell people about what's going on and uh you know get people excited for this stuff as well but uh, obviously they're not as infamous i think as the uh the, the leaks from like you know where or you know back in the back in the day do you remember the nintendo on 
Oh god! Yeah, like uh, when everyone thought that uh, Nintendo was going to be like releasing like a, a headset like console that would like uh, you know you'd be able to like walk around your living room and it'd be like walking around in the game. You know, like, oh yeah, uh, Virtual Boy 2.0. Yeah, well, how exciting! So yeah, which obviously was fake. No doubt about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I loved Reggie's response to that. He was kind of like, "Oh, well, I want this person to come forward." It's like, "Yeah, so they can slap you with a lawsuit." You know. <laughs> Speaking of Reggie, you remember a few months ago we we discussed on uh, Aaron and Patricia that uh, that Reggie Fisame was not impressed with how e uh, with how Nintendo was doing their E3. Remember? Oh well, yeah. If you remember back, it, well, he took over when when it, you know this was at the point when Nintendo just uh, looked like to me in regards to E3 just stopped caring, and then. Uh, Reggie took Nintendo of America up by you know up by the scruff of its neck and said no we're going to be about uh, kicking ass taking names and about making games and like the next E3 that came along with him at the helm was incredible it was like yeah. uh, well Nintendo have finally woken up and like uh, oh hey you know like we're going to get a new Zelda hey we're going to get uh, all these new ideas like it's just it's a uh, Reggie breathed life into Nintendo uh, in in the Western world when really they'd become very sheltered and become very you know very Asian centric. At that time, and it completely lost, like, the, uh, I don't know if it, like, it was just the, br they took a bruising from, like, you know, the Nintendo 64, probably not doing as well as the PlayStation, maybe the Super Nintendo not doing as well as the, uh, as the Mega Drive and the Genesis. I don't know if it was just, like, you know, a, a, a reaction to that, I don't know, and it was just Reggie who had to kind of, like, drag them up by the scruff of the neck and say, hey, get this Wii, get them, like, uh, you know, re you know, reacting to, you know, your uh, casual gamers and not your hardcore gamers, and, uh, you know, he really did, um, I think he'll go down, I think, as a, as a E3 legend. In, in my opinion, of uh, how he took Nintendo uh, from the brink uh, in release in regards to Western markets and put them back on the uh, back on the stage, and now everyone owes a, owes a Nintendo Switch and everyone owes a Wii. You know, like, yeah. Uh, I think I think probably part of it was you remember the, that infamous meme of the four guys just sitting there, kind of bored, and then the next one is them excited. I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of partly because of that, because uh, for those who don't know uh, what the meme's context is, so in E3 2003, the guys who were looking bored was when Nintendo CEO had announced that their next game was going to be Pac-Man Versus. And uh, those four guys just so happened to be IGN reporters. They were Matt Casamasa, Craig Harris, Chad Chambers, and Pierce Schneider. So that board response was Nintendo announcing that there was going to be Pac-Man Versus. And then the following one, which is E3 2004, was them looking excited. That was them announcing that it was going to be a brand new Zelda game. So, yeah, I think that they, uh, you know, Nintendo can be either one of or when it comes to their presentation. They can either be really hyped and really excited, or they can be really, really disappointment. Like um, how E3 2008 was, in which, like, they released practically nothing, and then their big, major standpoint was Wii Music. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, keep it in mind, this was at the time when uh, I think Nintendo was starting to, I mean, they belong it along after, uh, you know, Reggie kind of you know brought them back they at one point they i think at one point i think they became the victims of their own success so at the point like he was like you know everyone owned a wii and like uh, you know so it came to the point where nintendo was like you know what um we don't need to get the hardcore people excited anymore like you know we everyone is just uh, happy just playing the casual games you know playing the wii sports and uh, playing like you know the card games and playing like uh, you know all like all the interactive stuff 
You know, I think yeah. uh, that, that, that's when Nintendo started to become quite casual, I think, in that fact. And you can see it, like, you know, everyone there was acting really casual, like, you know, uh, there was nothing to get, you know, it was just like, it was like, kind of like being in, like, uh, it wasn't like being in, your, they basically moved out of, like, the kid's bedroom of, like, uh, you know, being there with, like, your friends, you know, you know, mashing the button pad and that, and moved into the living room with all the family and the grandma and things like that. Don't you, don't you, don't you get that vibe from them at that point? Yeah, I think that because they saw how much that the Wii was making, because you have to remember, we just mentioned this earlier, the Nintendo 64 did not do remotely as well as the PlayStation. And then when they released the GameCube, it was way less popular than the Xbox and the PlayStation 2. So when they saw the amount of money that they were bringing in for the Wii, of course they were going to lean over to the casual audience um, you know, to, you know, cater to them because they were the ones who were buying the Wii's and they were the ones who were bringing in the money. I mean, I guess for them, they thought, you know, the hardcore fans can only bring us so far because, you know, we were crushed, you know, two times in a row in these two uh, game generations. So it's like, hey, casual, you know, the soccer moms and the people who don't play anything outside of Tetris, are, sure, come on in. And the fans were pissed. Mind you. Uh, you know, Nintendo can really piss off their fans, but at the same time, then later on, they would bring them back to the brink. Uh, nothing will be... Uh, Nintendo can really do some terrible E3s, but nothing, nothing will be as bad as the infamous Sony uh, press conference when uh, they announced the 599 PlayStation console, uh, Ridge Racer, and uh, the, <laughs> the giant enemy crab that's apparently is based on, uh, you know, for, uh, based on, like, history, you know, and, uh, uh, yeah, nothing will, be, no, yeah, there's a lot of companies out there that will do some really terrible E3s, but nothing will be as bad as that. Yeah, right. I admit, I mean, while Nintendo can be, like, really high on its ego, Sony can be really tone deaf, so it's like, yeah, pick your poison. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Nintendo, <laughs> it's kind of a really bad segue <laughs> when you really think about it, Nintendo's going to be doing a Nintendo Direct. Uh, and also, we'll be doing a Treehouse Live. So, uh, not only will they be doing, uh, no doubt, this, you know, they're obviously the, uh, the the visual press conference on the uh, on the YouTube channel, but also they'll also be doing a Treehouse Live, and they'll actually be demonstrating the stuff that they announce. So. Yeah. So, obviously, the biggest one that everybody's going to be wanting is Breath of the Wild 2. It is Zelda's 35th anniversary, and there have been talks for the longest time about what Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be about, and we already knew about the trailer from E3 2019. So I think that that's going to be like their main selling point. It's Zelda's 35th anniversary. We're going to get Breath of the Wild 2. Can, can I say something controversial? Sure. I'm not ready for Breath of the Wild 2. I'm not even completed Ooh. Breath of the Wild 1. Like, uh, I'm still oh. doing like all the side quests and everything. I haven't even got up to Ganon yet. Oh wow! Yeah, Clancy Gunn's still uh, you know haunting that castle right now. I'm on my Nintendo Switch. Like uh, I've, I've just uh, I've not had any time to like you know actually go around and like I want to complete the game in full. And uh, maybe I'm being maybe maybe I'm being too much like the completionist. Maybe like uh, maybe I'm being too obsessed. But uh, I mean like uh, um, right now I feel I'm so in love with uh, at least uh, Breath of the Wild at least at the time. Like I don't know like until I feel like I've got like I've not even got to the DLC yet. I've not even got like for any of the other stuff. So I don't know. Breath of the Wild Two still feels pretty early for me. And I get Breath of the Wild came out years ago but i don't know like uh, i don't until i feel like i finally got through breath of the wild i don't see myself picking up breath of the wild 2 anytime soon okay that's fair enough um okay so another one that people have been anticipating for and this was um you know teased around 2017 is bayonetta 3 
So Bayonetta 2 was a Wii U exclusive because Platinum Games wanted to do a Bayonetta game, but all the other companies were like, nah, not really, I don't care. And But Nintendo were the ones who stepped up. So now people are waiting for Bayonetta 3 and hoping that it would be able to um, exceed their expectations with uh, what uh, Hideki Kamiya can be able to come up with because you know how Platinum Games can be really, really weird. So... Yeah, as for whether it's going to be revealed, we're not sure. And then there's also the Switch Pro. Okay, which, everybody's which really, which uh, actually, well, to get to the Switch Pro actually, which really baffles me because for those of you who do not know, there's a there's a semiconductor shortage shortage at the moment. What what, what are they going to make these things out of? Cheese? I mean, like, uh, it's just it's. Uh, I, I understand. Yeah, it's going to be exciting that they make the announcement, but how many of them they're actually going to produce? You know. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like one of those, oh, we're going to release it for a limited time and you'll never get it again, just like every other Nintendo peripheral. I don't know. Like, well, it's not a peripheral, it's a console. Like, apparently this is supposed to be... Uh, the complaint at the moment from some developers is that this Nintendo Switch isn't powerful enough for some of the oh, stuff that they want to do with it. I'm just saying, like, Nintendo so is very well known for releasing things very limitedly, and then they always have it full price, even though it's been, like, over 15 years after the stuff was released. Exactly, and uh, so the uh, this, if anything, is basically going to be, like, what would happen if, uh, you know, obviously this is what happened if uh, Nintendo didn't have an expansion pack module in, like, the Nintendo 64. So, like... Uh, this is what they would have to do. They have to like build a whole new console. So like, uh, so this is going to be the Switch Pro, and this is going to be a more powerful version of that Pro. And uh, I mean, I guess it's going to be a situation where if you don't, I don't know, is this going to be a situation where if you don't own that console, own that console, there's going to be certain games in the library you can't play. I probably imagine. Oh no! Oh no! Please don't let it be a Sega CD situation well, in which like. Oh, uh, you need to play... Oh, you have a Sega Genesis? But this game is on the Sega CD. Oh, you can't play Sonic CD? Oh, I'm sorry. Get back to Sonic uh, 1 and 2. Yeah, or Sonic and Knuckles. Uh, oh, you don't, yeah, have the, you don't have the Sonic and Knuckles? Oh, too bad. Yeah, like, too bad. You want to play the real definitive version of Sonic 3 and Knuckles? Oh, but you need to insert Sonic and Knuckles into the Sonic 3. Oh, you don't have it too bad. Yeah, but Patricia, I want to play Corpse Killer, but I need to own the Sega CD and the 32X to play it. You know? Like, no, you, you give me another 120 bucks and you could be able to do so. Yeah, it looks like some kind of like deformed, you know, uh mushroom when you uh, when you finally get it like you know, you know like you know AVGN was right and James Rolfe was right when he was talking, when he was critiquing the uh, the look of the uh, the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive when they had the 32x and the Sega CC Sega the 32x on it like it was like it was like a life support it's like all these cables you had to plug in it's like three adapters like to power the whole thing after after the fact. So you had like the one for the Genesis, the one for the CD, Sega CD, and one for the 32X. What were they thinking? You know, I have just... no idea what they were thinking, but yeah, that is really, really complicated. Like all of these extended peripherals so that they can be able to extend the life of the Genesis. And then in return, what games came out of it that were worth it? Yeah, I guess we should be thankful though. At least uh, what Nintendo isn't uh, going to be announcing is that, oh, hey, you want to play your Switch? You want to play more powerful games? We've got to have like this big, ugly thing on like on the top of the Switch that you have to plug into to plug the game in. You know, like, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. imagine, imagine you, playing you that. You want to play? Uh, you want to play the next, uh, you know, Zelda game? Okay, you need to have a Switch Pro. You need to have this peripheral, and you need to have this peripheral. This will that will cost you about sixty dollars, just as much as the game, and then you can be able to play it. And you got to learn how to do the voodoo dance and uh, bring the rain uh, from, uh, and also get the planets to align so that you can actually, you know, uh, get the uh, the most greatest graphics out of the uh, Nvidia, you know, uh, CUDA. 
So yeah, uh, and also if you want to have DLC, you need to uh, hold the Switch Pro upside down, and you need to insert some money in, and you also need to be able to uh, play Zelda Zelda on your Ocarina backwards. Yeah, you know what, Nintendo, and I doubt they're going to do this with the new console, but they, but they, you know, they missed out on something really good. You know what that was? What's that? Game stream. For uh, ah. it's based on Nvidia technology, and it's capable of doing game stream. And also, like, uh, if uh, I mean, I doubt doubt they put RTX chips in these things, but you know, they could say, "Oh, hey, here's a portable console," and not only does it like do all your favorite games, it also does ray tracing as well. Like, you know, and uh, also actually, on top of that as well, you can say, oh, hey, um, you got your massive uh, 4K behemoth gaming rig up upstairs, but you don't want to go upstairs and play it all the time. Take your Nintendo Switch with you, connect it up to a game stream, and then you can play it in your living room or play it outside or do whatever you want with it. You know, like, uh, Nintendo missed a, a really big opportunity to, like, take PC gamers away from, like, Xbox and uh, and the PlayStation people. Yeah, that, that's that. another thing that I, I I think I mentioned this in the Mario podcast uh, when it, that's uh, franchise celebrated its thirtieth uh, fifth anniversary. But when it comes to like you know uh, catering to like the the you know, the newer crowds, they they seem to be really behind on the times when it comes to technology. It's like they're like a decade behind when it comes to like oh um you know you want to be able to play with your friends online, you have to put in a friend code or um you need to be able to be really really close to your friend, otherwise the connection will be really really slow and go at two frames per second. Well, you know you oh. know why that is, Patricia, because like every you know the 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 the, uh, the 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 brain dead local news reports will be talking about how you know like the Nintendo console could be easy access to like people children at home you know like uh, that's the reason why they make it so difficult you know like uh, uh, it's just it's just it's, it's uh you know it's like that's the reason why you know playstation and xbox live and things like that like you know playstation network and stuff like that are like you know uh riding another wave while nintendo was just kind of scared about what the uh, the, the local news reports of that uh you know is uh, taking a break from uh tap dancing bears to like uh, you know talk about this like serious issue with like nintendo consoles being able to talk to your kids you know, oh jeez. So, I, I think it's just that, but you know, uh, love him or hate him, you know, uh, Nintendo are going to, uh, you know, do do something that's going to wow everybody. So, uh, you know, very true, very true. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I think uh, I do believe. It. Oh yeah, well, so we've got Treehouse Live, but also oh, Bandai Namco actually going to be uh, to obviously to uh, not uh, to dismiss them, but uh, they're obviously going to be uh, uh, doing something at this uh, E3. I've not heard any like uh, massive announcements from what I can see. But uh, apparently they will be showcasing some stuff. So yeah, they will they will be showcasing some stuff. Maybe another um, I don't know. Maybe another Pac-Man game. But I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah. Um, One person for, like, is hoping for a new Gundam game. Um, I don't want to hold your breath on that. But uh, well, I, I, unless unless it's a Japan exclusive, which I know Japan still loves Gundam. I don't know if it'll be released in the U.S., uh, but that could be a possibility for Gundam. Um, maybe. I'm not sure. Mm, we'll see. Yeah. Um, also, uh, well, no doubt it's uh, going to be the... Uh, the, the his, this is a pretty dull note to kind of like... Uh, you know, if I was you know, in charge of E3 scheduling, I would put EA on first. Just because, like, uh, you know, like... I don't know. I think EA is just a really dull way to kind of like, you know, end the uh, end E3 in a way. Ugh. <sighs> Yeah. Like what? What is EA going to say? Here's another Madden game. Here's another FIFA game. Here's another game that you uh, love for a long time. Microtransactions. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking at this now. EA has recently completed the major acquisition, obviously, of picking up uh, racing expert Codemasters and also Super Mega Baseball developer Metalhead. So, gee, racing and baseball. <laughs> 
<laughs> Way to differ away from your reputation, E3. <laughs> uh, but mind you, uh, there is talk about Dragon Age 4 and Battlefield 6, so... Every dark cloud, there's a silver lining. I guess that's true, but still, it's like... You have anything else, EA? You know, yeah. anything that's not just the same old franchises over and over again, and then you're going to announce, hey, we're going to put in all these microtransactions and loot crakes. You know, come on, EA. Stop being so incredibly scummy and predictable. Hey, Patricia, EA Sports, it's in the game. Oh, God. It's in the microtransaction. It's in the loot crates. <laughs> Well, that's the way we're ending E3. It's uh, not with a not with a yell, but with a whimper. From the sounds of it. No, 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 no. It's not with a whimper. It's with a groan. No, with a. It's a... <laughs> okay, yeah. It, it's everybody just clicking away, saying, "Nah, I, I'm. I think I'm. I'm happy with the announcements that we got from all the other showcases. EA, yeah, you're like the the crappy uh, after dinner men. So we're good." So, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll describe it this way. It's like uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday, uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday, yay, Thursday. Uh, that's, <laughs> the, that, that, that's how it's going to sound for E3 this year. So. Yep, pretty much. Okay. Anyway, we're going to get back into some Sega news, actually, because uh, officially releasing on cartridge in North America for the first time, get equipped with Mega Man The Wily Wars for Sega Genesis. So, Patricia, I'll let you take this one. Okay, so for those who don't know, Mega Man The Wily Wars was a game that was exclusively released around Japan and in Europe. We never got this in North America. So it is the first three Mega Man games that has been updated with the Sega Genesis graphics. And then they included another game called Wily Tower, in which you got to play a series of new levels that was constructed from the first three Mega Man games, and you get to have access to every single weapon from the first three Mega Man games, and you get to customize it. And at the same time, you can be able to take down some new Brobot Masters and uh, use the strategic of being able to use any weapon or gadget from the first three games to take them down. So, hey, do you like the Magnet Beam from Mega Man 1 and you want to use the Rush Jet from Mega Man 2? Well, you can have it. Hey, did you like using, um, you know, the, the you know, uh, Cutman's weapon and you want to be able to use the Metal Blade? Well, you can be able to use it. Hey, uh, did you like uh, using... Um, you know, uh, Shadow Man's weapon, and at the same time, you want to be able to have access to Bomb Man's weapon. Well, you can have that too. So, yeah, it, it's been a major cult classic uh, in North America ever since the reproduction cards were leaked and were distributed in various conventions. So, now that we will get an official one, uh, that's going to be major for a lot of Mega Man fans, considering that um, ever since Mega Man 11, we really haven't heard a lot of news regarding about a Mega Man 12 or any other Mega Man game. So maybe this will uh, re-hype everybody to um, more Mega Man stuff. Do we also get the power of Scatman? So, yeah, but uh, also, wasn't there like a Pharaoh Man? If I'm not mistaken. Pharaoh Man is in Mega Man 4. Okay, then, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but I said, what was his part besides, you know, punching Mega Man in the face in the cartoon? Which I really like playing, or like, on loop. <laughs> well, uh, he had the Pharaoh Beam, which was, like, this giant... In, which is like a giant beam that you get to throw at people. So yeah, it was like uh, it was like one of the most powerful weapons in the game. In addition to being able to punch Mega Man in the face. 
Uh, but no, um, they only did the first three Mega Man games. I don't think it sold very well, which is why we never got a Mega Man Wily Wars 2, which I'm sure that they would have done Mega Man's 4 through 6. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a shame that it didn't happen. But, you know, it, it's to be expected because Mega Man remakes don't do very well in sales. Like, Mega Man Powered Up, which was a game that was exclusively released for the PSP, and it had this cute... Uh, chippy style and that didn't sell very well and then there was um the Mega Man X remake which was I believe released for the PSP and that didn't sell very well so yeah um Mega Man remakes don't do very well which I, I that was probably one of the reasons why we never got a Wily Wars 2 which is a shame because um now personally for me um I am one of the biggest contenders when it comes to like um, you know, 8-bit games as well as uh, 16-bit games, and when looking into Mega Man The Wily Wars, the, the Wily Tower thing is the main hook, because, you know, it's basically being able to play as whatever, um, you know, uh, you know, power of Mega Man that you've defeated with the Robot Masters, and being able to take down new Robot Masters. I mean, that was the appeal of it. But as for, like, the first three games, it's fine. I mean, you know, I'm glad that it was updated and, you know, it was given like, you know, major colors and the the sprites are more detailed and they were able to revamp the music. But the NES games are still very, very uh, well done. So, so yeah, I think that um, for Mega Man fans, I think that this is a great opportunity for you to own a game that was um, not released uh, for North America for over 25 years, so this is a good opportunity for you to check it out. Also, uh, more games are named after uh, Dr. Wily, the villain. So uh, There you go, yeah. yeah. I mean, how many times can you get say that? I mean, the only thing we had was like, what? We had Bowser's Minions, we had... Um, uh, I, was say, I, think, I, I think he needs a lean, mean bean machine before he uh, gets to Dr. Robotnik's level. So. Uh, yeah, the the lean bean machine, yeah. <laughs> so, the, yeah. so yeah, so if you want to be able to um, play a game that has Dr. Wily's name in it, then there you go. Yeah. So, Also, I think maybe they could, uh, could collab with Valve Software, maybe, and then they could have G-Man. Sure, why not? <laughs> rise point- and shine, Mr. Mega Man, rise and shine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we have too much fun on this show. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay, another thing that uh, is going to make it hot flutter, uh, Patricia, besides me, uh, is uh, Sailor Moon Eternal. Uh, that uh, is going to be bringing long fan times fans' dreams to life on Netflix. So, uh, do you want to talk us through this one? Okay, so uh, Sailor Moon Crystal came out almost a decade ago. Oh my God, it's been that long! Holy crap! Babe, okay. I think, I think like, let's just uh, you know at this point, I think uh, everything is going to make us feel old. I think at this point, eh, very true. <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome to the podcast that makes you feel really old. We brought cookies. We are, we we are in our mid thirties right now. I think everything's just going to make us old. I think at this point. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. Okay, so. Okay, so uh, Sailor Moon Crystal was an anime series that was released in 2014, and it was supposed to be, uh, it's kind of like Dragon Ball Z Kai, or Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, in which it sticks closer to the manga than the previous iterations. So, you have to remember about the original Sailor Moon, is that it came out roughly around the same time when the manga was doing really, really well. And so there was a lot of filler arcs. So you remember about, like, Moonlight Night, uh, that was a filler arc, and, um, you know, a lot of the the episodes that you would be watching, like, throughout the course of the first few seasons. Uh, let's just say 80% of it was mostly filler. So... Um, but it, even though it's still beloved by a lot of Sailor Moon fans, I mean, for people like myself, this is how we first got introduced to anime. So, um, because Sailor Moon is still really, really popular in Japan, they decided that they were going to make 
uh, a new, well, updated version where uh, it was going to stick closer to the manga written by um, Naoko Takeuchi. The first two seasons are very rough, considering that it was re released exclusively on Nico Nico. So for those who don't know what Nico Nico is, it is an online video streaming site. It's kind of like um, Japan's YouTube. And so the art style looked really wonky. Uh, some parts of the animation didn't exactly look very sharp, uh, mostly because they had to rely on a very, very low budget. I mean, it, it was released essentially on YouTube, so of course you're going to get a lower budget than if you were releasing it on television. So it was delayed for a long time until, um, you know, until finally we got our third season, and the third season was done way better, considering that they actually brought in one of the character designers from the original Sailor Moon to work on it. It was finally released on TV, which meant that people can be able to watch it, and it had a larger budget, and it is so amazing. I mean, this is like the proper way of telling the third season of Sailor Moon, which is Sailor Moon S. Uh, I, I, think, I, think, I think it's long overdue, I think, uh, at this point, because, uh, you know, like, uh, Sailor Moon is like one of the most classic characters in anime. Anime and uh, you know she's she's world renowned, so uh, I think it's just uh, I think it's only you know proper that uh, you know she gets uh, you know a, a right amount of budget to obviously display Sailor Moon properly and also a platform where everyone pretty much has access to it. So. Yes, and now we finally go into the movie. So it is a two-part movie, which is essentially season four of Sailor Moon Crystal. And Sailor uh, Sailor Moon Crystal's um, arc for this one is essentially the the dream arc of the manga, where it focuses on the Dead Moon Circus and it focuses on Chibiusa meeting up with Pegasus. So it is a very important part of the story. And instead of having a fourth season released on TV like they did with season three, they decided to make it a two-part movie which was released in japan unfortunately due to COVID 19 it was delayed for the longest time and so um it was released in japan around january and february of 2020 and uh, 2021 i'm sorry it was released in 2021 in january and february it was originally supposed to be released much earlier but uh, do you, we already talked about the circumstances. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, like yeah, January, February of 2020. That's a rough place for a movie to release. It yeah, really even is. in Japan, even in Japan, it is rough to release. I mean, you have essentially, like, one of the most classic anime characters of all time, and you're going to be releasing their movie. This is the first Sailor Moon movie in 25 years, and you're going to be releasing it on probably the deadest months when it comes to watching it theatrically. Not very good. I mean, a summer release would have made a lot more sense, but I digress. And so now, finally, after many months of waiting, we have not only the uh, Japanese version, but we also have the English version uh, on Netflix. And it looks amazing, by the way. I sadly haven't been able to see it because I've just been so busy this weekend. And also because my sister wanted to watch Ryan the Last Dragon as opposed to Sailor Moon Crystal. Um, but I digress. But... Uh, we, uh, I did see the previews of it. Uh, a lot of the uh, voice actors uh, talked about it. Uh, one of which we uh, we actually do know of, Aaron. If you remember Sandy Fox, uh, who voiced as um, Mipsy Mipson from As Told by Ginger, who was on the uh, reunion live stream, she voices as Chibiusa. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, you know, and also she, you know, Sandy is very talented. So, uh, yeah, I think it definitely fits it down to the ground. Yeah, I, I'm uh, Kevin, Christina, and I had a podcast with her a few years ago, and uh, she was a delight, by the way. And also in various conventions, I have met up with um, 
uh, I met Linda Ballantyne, who was the uh, one of the, the third voice actress for Sailor Moon um, when they did it back in Canada. Uh, I also met Susan Roman, who did the voice of Sailor Jupiter in the Canadian version. And then I met up with Amanda C. Miller, who is the current voice of Sailor Jupiter. And uh, all of them were very, very cool to meet up with. I have their autographs on my yeah. Sailor Moon sticker uh, somewhere in my room. Yeah, sorry, I, I so, so what, there was like an American, then there was a Canadian version of Sailor Moon. Okay, so let me explain this. So, um, as you know, Aaron, um, when anime was first dubbed in North America, a lot of the people who did the voiceover stuff were Canadian. So it was done in Ocean Studios, and what they would do is that they would release it worldwide. That's how Dragon oh, Ball Z. Oh, um, all right then. Its- yeah, sorry. I'm, you know, I, I just blanked out at that point. It's like uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. I just like it's just so normal now for like, oh hey, if you have something that uh, needs to be translated into another language and it needs to be American, it just goes to California now. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But back then, back then it was done in Canada. Canada. Yeah, before it became Cookie Jar Entertainment, I believe. I think. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are don't, don't worry, there are some cases in which anime would be dubbed in Canada, like Death Note was uh, uh, Ocean Studios production. But yeah, nowadays everything is either done in Studiopolis or in Funimation or um, you know other places. But for the most part, when you're thinking about anime, you're thinking about Funimation, which is in Texas, or Studiopolis, which is in uh, California. Yeah, we don't really get a lot of Canadian dub anime as much anymore. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, I'm always surprised. Like it ended up in Canada. Like uh, you know, it's uh, I'm always surprised. Like the uh, the title, of the the, sorry, the the song title, and it'll be you know going "Finding Evil by Moonlight." Eh? A. <laughs> 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 no, I mean the, the whole point of um, it being dubbed in Canada was because um, the, I mean, Ocean Studios was like huge back then. I mean, it, it still is today. Like, it, it is one of the biggest, um, uh, you know, voiceover recording studios in Canada. Even still to this day, they still do a lot of their voiceover stuff. Like you said before, with like Cookie Jar Entertainment and all that kind of stuff. So they're still big over there. But yeah, um, Canada's uh, dub of Sailor Moon, uh, especially since it was in 1995 and they had to do a lot of restrictions. I mean, uh, this is the same company that also put Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune as cousins. Oh, of course they did. It's like... Uh... Like, so it's gonna get the fact that you know, like Sailor Moon was in Canada. It's like you know, uh, hey, a tuxedo mask. What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Instead of that, no, we we got um, we got pork buns into donuts, and then um, uh, Mamoru called Usagi, uh, you know, with bun head, and said we have Daring calling Serena meatball head. It's like okay fine whatever yeah and then you know they have the name changes like um you know usagi serena and then you have uh, ami is amy and ray is spelled differently um makoto is lita uh so yeah you have like all the different name changes of course which is to be expected especially if you want to cater to a more american or canadian audience whichever i don't know but yeah, yeah as, for, as for the movie so the movie um, I think for a lot of fans, if you have not seen it, it is a much more accurate retelling of the Dead Moon Circus arc or the Dream arc, whichever that you want to call it. So uh, we did get that in, um, you know, the original anime, but it had a lot of filler in it, and some of the episodes are not very good. But the fact that uh, this movie was done by Chiaki Kong, and he was one of the major people behind the original Sailor Moon, which is why it looks as good as it does. I mean, he is amazing when it comes to the character designs. So 
it really does delve really deep into like the story of when uh, Chibiusa sees Pegasus in her dreams and when uh, the sailor soldiers uh, go up against uh, the Dead Moon Circus and they fight off against the other um, you know, villains over there. And then when finally Sailor Moon turns into Eternal Sailor Moon, which is like a major point, and it'll be a hugely a major point when it comes to the final season, which I have no idea how they're going to release the final season of Sailor Moon Crystal. Are they going to do another theatrical movie? Are they going to do it on TV again? I'm not sure, but I guess it all depends on how well it did theatrically in Japan and how much the the streaming services on Netflix are going to do. Yeah, I, I, mean, I can only imagine if, if they're going down the movie route, I think... Uh... Um, this is just my opinion on how they probably would do it. They probably would maybe do another movie, but kind of do it like on a limited release, maybe. Maybe not make it like as big as like the other ones. And, uh, you know, it's kind of what happened. Unfortunately, it was the fate that kind of like happened to like with Stuart Little, like, uh, you know, Stuart Little 2 didn't do as great, but so, so they had Stuart Little 3 that kind of like was just uh, a CGI kind of like deal. Really, it's like, mm. uh, yeah, which uh, I know is not a good uh, vibe for, you know, obviously releasing future Sailor Moon content, but uh, I could just imagine for them probably doing that. You know, uh, I, I hope not. Considering that, you know, I mean, next to Dragon Ball and Pokemon and Astro Boy, Sailor Moon is massive in Japan. Like mm -hmm. they are huge. Universal Studios. Yeah, it's, Japan, it's, yeah, but yeah, but in regards to like this line of movies, I mean, I'm saying that the franchise itself isn't isn't massive. But in regards to like this, where this kind of like this line of movies that we're on at the moment, I, I mean, like uh, anything could happen at this point. Like we don't we don't know what happens. You know, to be a fly on the wall of like you know boardrooms. In like uh, you know of these uh, of these companies that make all these decisions, like you know, I'd be so intrigued to see what the decision making process is for some of these people. I really would. Yeah, so. that's true. So you know what? I mean, we'll just have to you know see what happens. But uh, yeah, uh, if you are interested in checking it out, uh, Sailor Moon Crystal is on Hulu. You can watch the first three seasons, and then you can go jump straight over to Netflix to watch the movie. Mm -hmm. Speaking of big franchises, uh, let's talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, the CGI reboot from Nickelodeon and Seth Rogen's points uh, Grey gets a release date. And uh, did we say find out what the release date actually was? Because I've actually not written yes. it down. <laughs> yes, August 11th, 2023. Cool. So, uh, interesting to see what uh, this... I mean, there's been so many variations now of TMNT. It's like, it's hard to keep count. It really oh, is. Oh, yeah. And it has been really hard to keep count. TMNT meets up with Batman. TMNT meets up with Ghostbusters. TMNT meets up with themselves. It is so massive of how, you know, essentially, like, originally, you know, based off of a dark comic book series that was poking fun at Daredevil, and then it got an animated cartoon, which was, I mean, like, let's be honest, was essentially to sell you know, toys and merchandise and all that kind of stuff. But then, it you know, instead of, like, you know, being something that was, like, stuck in the 80s, it blew up and it, like, catered to multiple generations. We have the 2003 series. We have the 2012 series. We have the 2017 series. We've had movies. We've had video games. We've had performances on stage. We've had a lot of things. But, yeah, it's, and, you know, it, it's still being... Um, beloved by a lot of people. It's it's amazing. It's parodied as well. Like uh, you know, it's uh, AVG ended a uh, TMNT. There's many TNT parodies actually. And uh, actually, oh, also, you, did uh, you see? Did you, did you see the recent video that he posted up? Like Michelangelo crash an AVGN panel that he posted up a few days well, ago. Well, if you remember, he was the voice of the alien in uh, the AVGN movie. So that's uh, right. Yeah. yeah, Robbie Rist. Yeah, so Robbie Rist. Uh, he played as uh, Michelangelo in the TMNT movies. Get so the fact it, dude. That... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, the fact that he was just there at the AVGM panel and saying, like, this man is my hero and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, wow. 
Wow, that's crazy. Uh, imagine if you turned up as a voice in the Owl House. Like, he was just oh, like, that yeah. would be so good. Oh. Robbie Riss is an amazing voice actor. You know, not only did he, you know, play as Michelangelo, but he's also a prolific anime voice actor. You know, he was also Choji and Naruto as well. Yeah, you know, he's kind of like, other... uh, you know, like they, um, you know, things like in the Boiling Owls, like uh, influence things in the Earthrealm as well. Like, imagine if he came out, he's like, he's actually like a Ninja Turtle. Like, uh, like uh, it's just, it's, uh, oh, I would just love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah yeah absolutely and you know uh to think that you know he was able to like bounce off of just being a deviled child actor you know he was cousin oliver in the brady bunch and that was when the brady bunch uh, season was like really really stale and so it, it, it had like the hannah barbera and klasky chupa mentality about like hey let's add a younger character into the show so that it doesn't look like that our series is getting stale and so a lot of people gave crap on him for that but now he's like really turned around and he's really made a name for himself and you know he's amazing by the way go look up his stuff for sure yeah like i think the great thing about him is that uh, he was able to just uh, reinvent himself and uh, you know there's plenty of people who can, uh, who can do that unfortunately there's a lot of people who can't and obviously they fall by the wayside and uh, you know like oh there was that really sad you see that sad uh, tiktok that got released i think it was like uh, it was like the kid actor like uh, what was it called two spoons and like he was like he was like uh, begrading like i think was silver, it? Sil silver spoons silver, yeah, yeah yeah and like he was like berating a guy from talking about Ricky Ricky Schroeder. Yeah. yeah, and like he was like he was like berating like a, like a like a Target employee or something like that for not letting like wear a mask inside the shop. It's like good, good grief, Jesus Christ! Like you know, just uh, yeah, you know, like there's just people who like just uh, are able to like re, you know re you know revitalize themselves and obviously find new audiences and stuff like that. And then there's people who just kind of like just completely fall fall by the wayside and just decide to go like, oh hey, I'm gonna make a nuisance of myself on social media. Like, you know, yeah, and don't just, even get me started on Scott Bayo, the prick. Yeah. Well, there's there's a certain other voice actor who uh, I'm sure we may have spoken about in the past, but quite frankly, I don't want to take shit from their from his uh, so-called fans. So I'm not going to mention him on this show. But, well, I know what you're talking about, and we're not going there. Yeah, we're not going there. And uh, anyway, so yeah, now now this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot, this is actually really interesting. So Seth Rogen is going to be a major part in this. So how do you feel about this? Um, you know, like well, Seth Rogen, I think uh, you know. Uh, I just tell you what. Um, I'm trying to remember the last thing I kind of I kind of like watched with Seth Rogen actually involved in it. When was the last Seth Rogen you know, thing? The last the, the last thing that I remember that Seth Rogen was being like an executive producer on, and he's been wanting to you know release like a project that was like in delay for about a decade was Sausage Party. Yeah, and a lot of people like made fun of him for that. It's like, oh really? You're going to make like oh you know here's the first uh, animated uh, rated R movie. It's like South Park did it first. Mm. Well, aren't you like uh, he was the Voice in uh, one of the voices in Horton Hears a Who, so into you know that. Yeah, so, and, you know. and also in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest with you, though, I think Seth Rogen is very talented in some cases. Yeah, he but, is. Uh, he is. You know, unfortunately, in other cases, he isn't, and so uh, you know, we'll. Uh, he 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 can be really. Um, uh, overconfident at points depending on what the project is well i think it really depends on like who he has around him like i think uh, with seth rogan i think if uh, someone gives him like a, a real you know a sense of realism of like okay you can definitely do this but then you might want to look out for this that and the other but i i guarantee you know, this guy seth rogan like a lot of people love him and unfortunately there's gonna he's gonna walk into situations where everyone basically will just kind of bow at his feet and say yeah you can do this and uh, you know you have the confidence and we have confidence in you doing it man and then every it gets released to the public and it's like oh my god what have you done, Seth? You know, like, did, did no one talk you out of this? Like, uh, unfortunately, that's the kind of the trap I think Seth Rogen's kind of set for himself, really. 
Yeah. So. Uh, so let's talk about the other people who are going to be involved in this TMNT reboot. So um, we have um, Brendan O'Brien is going to be the writer, and he was the one who wrote the scripts for Neighbors and Neighbors Two: Sorority Rising, mm-hmm. and uh, that was. And then we have uh, Jeff Rowe, who uh, recently directed Mitchell's versus the Machines. Oh so he's wow. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, I, I, what, you know, uh, we've actually not had a chance to address, actually, Mitchell versus the Machines, because, well, one, we've not seen it yet, so, like, uh, we've not had a chance to kind of, like, have an opinion about it. Oh, oh, my God, looking at Rotten Tomatoes and looking at the reviews, like, this thing went through, like, not just production hell, it was, like, it went through production hell, got risen out of purgatory, but back in production hell, and then raised all the way back again, and, like, uh, it's been so, been through so much trauma. Like uh, the the way that it's been developed, and oh my goodness, has it really come? Has it really come come good? Like uh, I was oh, not yeah. expecting this to be good at all. I mean, I I mean, here's the thing: it's Lord and Miller, so I was expecting some quality of it. Um, but when I saw, first saw like the synopsis of it, and I was like, oh, robots taking over, and it's about like a person being anti-technology. I was like. Ugh. I'm not interested. But, you know, very similar to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, in which when I first saw the poster and I was like, oh, really? And then I loved it. It's going to be the same thing all over again, I'm going to I'm gonna predict. It's like, I hated the concept, but then when I'm going to see the movie, I'm probably going to love it. It's like, Lord and Miller, you've done it again, you genius. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. When I first saw it and I first saw the, like, the, the, the very first trailer, like the very first early concepts, I really thought this was just going to be like a CGI version of RV. And like uh, that, that wasn't that wasn't a great place to be at that point. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So um, on Twitter, Seth Rogen had announced not only the release date, but also um, some other things as well. Uh, he released this on Twitter, which is essentially Leonardo's science notebook, which is interesting because Donatello is the science whiz. But I digress. <laughs> Donatello Anyways, does machines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Anyway, it says that, okay, so the page that Seth Rogen released on Twitter was regarding about, like, uh, references to the characters, uh, his brothers, April O'Neil, um, which apparently it's going to be about that April is a, their reporter, so she's going to be a reporter again in this incarnation. Um, there's also a drawing of the sword. There's a word. There's the words honor and loyalty uh, next to the sword. And then there's discussions about, like, you know, genetic mutations, which we already know about the ooze that transformed them into the turtles. And um, according to what it says right here regarding about the mutation, it says deletion, duplication, and translocation. And there's also um, a, a drawing of somebody that says, pay attention. It says, Mikey, I can't raff. Uh, and then Donnie has a question mark and... Yeah, there's a lot of things on this. Uh, I'm going to leave a link uh, for those who are interested in the in the description below for you guys to check out um, this notebook that Seth Rogen released on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting. I, I have no idea what it has regarding about, like, uh, the movie, but I'm sure that there will be some things that will be brought up in the movie, but I have no idea. But, yeah, so it, it looks like that Seth Rogen is definitely going to be taking the movie into a, a straightforward direction. I mean, I'm not expecting anything massively different like the Michael Bay movie. But um, I think that, you know, go, I think that going back to basics is probably like what a lot of people want for a TMNT movie. 
where you know you got to see the four brothers you get to see april and casey you get to see shredder and maybe the krang will be there splinter obviously and you know who knows maybe they'll have like dimension hopping maybe they'll have more secrets of the ooze i'm not sure but yeah i'm actually curious about how this movie is going to uh, present itself uh, by the way if michael bay walks into the room at any point throw him in the dumpster Please. Yes, I, I please. I do not want to see the looks of the turtles like that again. Just please. I just don't want. I'm just sick. I'm just sick of like massive explosions at this point. Like you know, it's like every time I see a massive explosion, I just kind of think, oh, Michael Bay's at it again. Yeah, yeah, massive explosions. Characters acting like idiots, and the love interest being stupid. I'm just like done. Yeah, and uh, mind you, like if you came in to like do the elevator scene, we kind of like okay, then maybe. So like. Uh, Okay, that scene was pretty awesome, I admit. Yeah, it's the only good thing about the movie. Right. <laughs> no, and it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Okay, so TMNT, another one from uh, also hoping that uh, Nickelodeon Seth Rogen is going to knock it out of the park. So, uh, yeah, let's wait and see. So. Yeah, let's wait and see. Cool. Uh, just a tidbit. Actually, we should have really talked about this whilst uh, talking about a Nintendo Direct and Treehouse Live, but uh, Nintendo is going to be opening a museum in Japan in their old offices. I mean, long overdue, to be quite honest, because Nintendo has done a lot in their history. As you guys know, they were, they were a card museum around the 1880s, and they have done so many things to kind of like keep themselves afloat uh, they were releasing products they were um they had love hotels if you can believe it they had vacuum cleaners they were uh, a restaurant and so they found out in the 70s that they did really well with selling toys and games and so that was when their division drastically changed and then um finally they are known for their classic games that we know today and yeah i would love to see that i mean once again another cool thing that's only in japan yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, so, you know, Patricia, I think uh, that's another thing for you and I to go visit, I think. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, next to, like, um, you know, uh, Universal Studios Japan, where they have, like, the Nintendo attractions, uh, we, now we have another reason to go to Japan, is to check out the Nintendo Museum. I, yeah. I, I mean, but, you, you know, have to go to uh, Kyoto for that, uh, for yeah, sure. I just feel like, you know, somewhere down the line, I think you and I need to visit Japan. Like, you know, it's just like, we just thought about Sailor Moon just a while, just a while, a while back ago, so, like, you know, it has been part of our lives pretty much for a very long time. So, oh, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've wanted to go to Japan since I was in high school, so I would love an opportunity to go there for sure. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, we'll go to Japan and uh, then we'll uh, go to the uh, Nintendo Museum and then after that we'll go to a love hotel. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> um, I don't think that's how it works, actually. Uh, I do. The love... <laughs> Uh, anyway, but yeah, the Nintendo Gallery is expected to open in 2024, so that's going to take a while. But I'm sure that there'll be plenty of things to do in Japan while we're there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing what exhibits are going to be in there. So yeah, I probably imagine it'd be the cards. Like, I'm interested to see they did like uh, like uh, display the pong machines that they built back in the day. No, oh like yeah, it. yeah, the, the the Hanafuda cards, the pongs, um, their attempts of trying to be a vacuum cleaning services, uh, their attempts of trying to have uh, gas stations and. Uh, their attempts of trying to do everything else other than toys and games. And then obviously, like, the first set of toys that uh, Gunpei Yokoi designed around the 60s, and then maybe, like, the, the early arcade machines in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the possibilities of that are endless, yeah. by the way. And over here is when um, Mario the Plumber was actually a plumber before he was a video game character. 
Uh, and and don't forget, before that, he was a carpenter as well. And you well, know, wasn't before he, that, wasn't you know, he a jump man back in that time? So he wasn't. Was yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Like it was jump man, and then it was Mister Video, and then it was you know a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. Yeah, he's got very first pseudonyms. Like, uh, maybe one of his like got his like huge amounts of debts, and basically been changing his name just to write them off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very very true. It's a me bankrupt. <laughs> 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 oh my anyway but wait, um, let's stop know, desecrating well, mario let's move on to something else shall we well so. actually i want to bring up something really quick now that we're t discussing about like you know video games and museums um we we did say that we were going to do a follow-up to this but i'm just going to uh, respond to this really quickly so the the video game hall of fame thing if we talked about this a while ago where they did the nominations for the games and they just revealed um what they were i'm just going to bring them up so uh the four games that were being brought in uh so these are the games that were honored into the hall of fame and they are uh microsoft flight simulator where in the world is carmen san diego uh where in the world is carmen san diego classic uh starcraft classic and animal crossing classic Okay, so yeah, those are the winners who are going to be inducted into the Video Game Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you know what, I think, uh, you know, I, I know Animal Crossing, the current Animal Crossing game has got, you know, it's following everything like that, but I've heard from, like, Animal Crossing fans that apparently it's not as great as the uh, the original GameCube version. Well, I don't know for sure, I mean, especially since I'm not, I mean, I tried playing the original Animal Crossing a long time ago, and it just doesn't appeal to me, but I know it appeals to a lot of other people, especially with, um, you know, the new game coming out uh, when, uh, you know, during the pandemic. And I I'm still kind of upset that that one game has sold more copies than any of the Metroid franchise combined. So, yeah, I go listen to my response of how upset I was. Not for yeah, Animal Crossing, I, I say, just the there, fact there that is it a, I do have a bit of, like, even though I know I played Animal Crossing, like, I did hear about this sweet story about uh, uh, this uh, mom who was, like, terminally, terminally ill. And uh, during her illness, she actually played Animal Crossing, uh, like uh, his, her son's game. And then uh, finally, she passed away. And uh, apparently, why she'd been playing the game while she was alive, she was actually leaving presents for her son to actually find in the game. Oh, like, that's very sweet. Oh, you know, like, oh, that, that, that just melts your heart. It really does. Like, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I love stuff like that. And so, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, like, uh, it just goes to the testament of how amazing and how epic Animal Crossing actually is. And, uh, yeah, so definitely that should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, StarCraft, I, I, you know, StarCraft is a beloved game for me. I love the soundtrack. I love the story. I love the, uh, I love the races. I love the Terrans, the Zergs, the Protoss. I, I love the whole thing. I just love how creative it all is. Like, the fact that we're, like, a different races you have to like do different things to like build stuff on there like you know you have to build like buildings on the creep for the zergs and you have to like uh, you know uh, oh no that meme of like you know not enough pylons <laughs> you know like uh, spawn more overlords like you know it was so meme worthy as well in regards to starcraft so that definitely belongs in the hall of fame so i can yeah yeah you know good choices and then yeah exactly good choices all right, uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's move on. Yeah, definitely. So, um, well, I think uh, the Owl House fans have been uh, looking forward to us talking about this, and that is that. Uh, now, for those of you who are going to be listening to the uh, podcast that's going to be appearing on Old School Lane, we just want to reiterate, this podcast took place long before the, uh, pre the early releases of the two episodes of the Owl House, and took place long before we actually got the Season 2 trailer. So, uh, we're going to talk about it now. So that, you know, obviously we're all caught up about it. And uh, as I say, like, uh, once again, it was another trailer that just throws so much at you 
in regards to uh, what's going to be happening in the story. So, I mean, it looks to me like uh, they're going to be... Um, the one thing they're going to be doing is, which I think is a very interesting concept, is that they're not going to be characters who are going to be, like, you know, lined up with, like, oh, hey, they're just going to be witches. It looks like, to me, they're going to be, you know, obviously doing different things. Like, so they're going to be, like, out on the high seas, or they're going to be, like, you know, doing, you know, uh, different odd jobs just to make money and things like that. So it looks to me like uh, they're going to obviously make them a lot more, like, uh, you know, more mercenary, I think, in uh, regards to uh, how they uh, react to themselves in the Boiling Isles. Uh, there's obviously going to be... Uh, also, I, I said this from the very beginning in that, uh, and obviously this comes out before the episode, but I mentioned that, uh, you know, Luz still has the key for the portal, and she ne she gave uh, uh, Emperor Balos the door, but didn't give her the key, so she still got that, so obviously there's going to be a whole adventure about that key and what it can do and what it can't do and everything like that. And uh, obviously we've got some seizures of Lumity, as well, so uh, we're going to be seeing uh, all of that too, and also we got to uh, see what uh, Amity's mom actually looked like. Uh, in, yeah, in the, uh, over in the at Light Industries, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, so. testing out like some sort of beam for uh, an abomination um, machine or something like that. But yeah, uh, there there was a lot of things that were showcased on that trailer. Like um, we got to see the reaction of Lucy's mom's face, most likely either due to the fact that she found out that she's not in the camp, or maybe she's gone missing. Uh, there's also uh, Lilith who's going to be around, uh, most likely due to the fact that you know she is being. Uh, castrated from Emperor Bellows due to, uh, you know, not um, siding with him. Uh, she has a new shirt, which is like this low battery shirt, and a lot of people were like saying, give me the merchandise! <laughs> you, you, know, you know what's amazing about that shirt is that uh, I think, you know, if they do get to a point where she actually gets her powers back, like you can just see it, like just go upwards. It's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I, I really like this to kind of do that with the shirt if they actually decide to give her her powers back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, there's also um, hints of um, Lilith even even turning into the Albies because, remember, they shared um, the curse together. Um, there's also, um, sh you know, hints of the spy that we saw in the last episode. Uh, he's going to play a prominent role in this, from what I heard. Um, there's also, um, you know, snippets of what the first few episodes are, uh, episodes are going to be about. We do get to see um, Luce in her pirate form, which is definitely that first episode where she's trying to find a bounty to help the Owl House. Uh, we get to see uh, Hootie in a birdhouse, which means he's going to be portable for Lilith to carry around, which uh, that means, ladies and gentlemen, that we talked about this uh, in the... Um, no, we actually did talk about this in the Twitter streams, where um, the whole two lies and a truth where the three statements that Dana Terrace revealed in a live stream was one of them was going to happen and two of them were false. So the three statements were Gus gets a growth spurt, Hootie leaves the owl house, and Camilla gets a butt-kicking scene. And it turns out that it's most likely the second one. Hootie is leaving the loud the owl house. And so um, we do get to see that, and you know he, uh, they're stating that you know he's going to play a prominent role in this. King is going to be a, uh, getting, getting a prominent role in this as well because we're going find to out, find out more about his past. Um, and, you know, obviously we get some more um, Amity stuff. Uh, you know, she's going to be a staff member at the library. Uh, there was, a, you know, talks about, like, you know, going over to the restricted section of the library to find out more portals so that Luz can be able to get home into the human realm. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that are going to be revealed in this season. Uh, I am also, so we, we got we seem to somewhat briefly got introduced to, like, uh, all the leaders of the covens as well from in, uh, yes. one, in one days as well. And I have to say, I do agree with all the fans. I was not expecting the uh, the, the leader of the uh, the Abomination Coven to uh, look as, uh, um, as, as fine as that. I was expecting something a bit different from that, but nope. 
Like, uh, yeah, and uh, apparently, according to this, apparently some of the characters have actually changed, uh, according to this, uh, when they originally were um, proposed in the uh, in the first season. Uh, we've also got uh, a okay that um, Lilith seems to have uh, also got to grips with uh, glyph magic, so she's obviously become a student of the game in regards to that. And uh, also, we seem to have like also got introduced to uh, um, what her mom. What well, we assume what I think is their mother, what the mother looks like in the mm-hmm. show. So there was that. And so also, I like the fact that Hoodie's like you know in like in 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 a, in a like a cuckoo clock as well. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was an interesting uh, thing to do. And uh, also just to um, uh, just I'm just basically just running through the trailer and just uh, trying to catch up on everything because this thing throws everything at you. It really does, and uh, including a hand holding scene in uh, the. Uh, the one thing that's interesting is the uh, the bit where it looks like uh, Emperor Balos is trying to open the portal, but uh, it's not too sure if he actually has been able to do that or not. But the one thing I'm thinking of is that, uh, you know, given the fact that there's a scene in the trailer where uh, Luz's mom is got, like, you know, in behind her, she's got this whole... Uh, thing put together where she seems to be like drawing the dots of like where her daughter has gone. I think I'm kind of thinking maybe there is a possibility that he has been opening the portal and what's happening is like loses messages on her phone have been like getting out obviously because there's signal now going back to the Earth realm and that's how she's been kind of finding out like what's been going on. Maybe yeah, that, that's one possibility. And uh, also there's this one bit where which confused me like it seems like the Titan's head explodes at one point. Like mm. uh, I'm not too sure what that's about. But uh, also this, um, this, this. Uh, also, one thing that I also mentioned on Twitter, as well, is that apparently we do have a, a name for the uh, the mysterious guy who's like the the right hand man of uh, Emperor Balos, uh, because uh, according to this, uh, Zeno Robinson, who is a voice actor based in uh, Los Angeles, he's part of uh, CSD CSED talent, and is also uh, a creative artist as well. Uh, he confirmed on Twitter that he is the voice of this character, and his uh, name apparently is called Golden Guard. Quote unquote. Okay, the Golden Guard. That's pretty cool. Which, you know, I, I tweeted about this, like, uh, I don't know. I'm not a fan of the name, to be honest. Golden. It, it kind of reminds me of Golden Gear from Gears of War. Like, uh, the, uh, I mean, the I don't de- think that's his name. I think that's just his rank. Yeah, but that, that but no, he's actually, no, the character is actually literally called Golden Guard. Oh, that, that's that's literally his name. Well, okay. that, I'm I, no, I yeah, I agree with you in one point. I think that's just his code name, but it kind of sucks. It's kind of like Hunt's Girl from like you know American Dragon. Like you know, I can't take that seriously too much. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So like, I, I hope we find out what his actual name is. You know, like uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I hope it's not like I don't want it to be too dull. Like you know, like remember like in Metal Gear Solid, we found out that big boss's name is Richard Doyle. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a, I mean, no, 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 no. That's the that's the guy who voiced him. Oh, sorry. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that. we know his name is. We know his name is John. No, name is but John. that's all we know. Yeah. yeah, that's all we know. It's just John. That's sorry, it. I, th- I thought. Yeah, you know, I don't know why. I thought that was his actual name. Some strange reason. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. For some reason, the Metal Gear franchise they always seem to be confusing when it comes to like putting in names. It's like they put in the name of the person that is on the screen, but then they also put in the voice actor, which okay. is interesting. Yeah. So um, I just said that you know I'm not a fan of like Golden. God as a name. I really hope they actually, we actually find out what his real name is. Or anything like that. Okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, from what I can tell in the trailer, he seems pretty free-spirited, from what, from what I can. Which is kind of like, I don't know, he's a bit... I would have thought that he was probably going to be a bit more serious. I thought he would mm. with him, but, uh, you know, like, uh, maybe he's going to be like... Uh, uh, what's a good character to compare him to? Who's a character who is, um, uh, like, second in command to, like, the, 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 the nemesis? 
of our protagonist, but uh, he like he takes his job seriously, but at the same time, he's also quite free minded. Like he doesn't really all that much care about like take, start, No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's Starscream. Like if he was Starscream, Emperor Bowser would be beating the shit out of him. <laughs> I don't think he's Starscream. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's probably like a new take on it, like a, a side character, maybe. So uh, maybe we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, anyway, like, but yeah, I think I think that another thing that we have to t- discuss about was that um, I, I think you pointed this out on Twitter as well, and I didn't even know about it until just yesterday. But the promo that was shown on Disney Channel, where they got to reveal some additional details of the trailer, apparently it was that Dana Terrace didn't know anything about it, and she was so angry, and so it was eventually deleted. Oh really? Oh, I didn't hear about that. Like, uh, yeah. well, I saw there was a screen, there was a screenshot that was going around with, uh, you know, obviously there was a Lumity moment that was going on. By the way, not as Lumity as you probably imagined it would be, but uh, like, uh, I was aware of something like that. And also there's, um, I probably shouldn't really mention this on this show, but unfortunately, you know, when they said don't post spoilers on, uh, on that, like, uh, people can't help themselves. They've been posting them all over the place. Look, if you want to, if you were one of the people who saw the first two episodes on the Paley Center, go to the subreddit, which is the Secret Azura Book Club, and babe, yeah, they're not going to care. It's already out there, and and all that as well. Like apparently, according to uh, actually, I'm just I'm just looking at this now. Um, Apparently, according to uh, some people on uh, online, apparently the episodes have actually leaked. Oh no! Please let this not be an amphibious situation all over again. Well, look. Here's the thing about this. I've been warning about this since you know, obviously, since uh, you know, we first got acquainted with this show, and that is that the the way that they've been distributing this is just all wrong. They what they should be doing is is that they should be showing yes, they should be showing it on Disney Channel, but then right after Disney Channel, they should be putting it on Disney Plus. And then telling everybody, that- okay, you've watched the the episodes now come out on uh, on Disney Channel. Okay, just wait a couple, like wait an hour or wait a thirty minutes or so. It will now appear on Disney Plus, and everyone else can watch it. You know, like yeah, I I don't know. The distribution uh, I, uh, is wrong, totally one hundred percent wrong. So. You know what? I, I, at some point, they will catch up. And knowing the importance about how streaming services have become for consumers. But I digress. I, I think that the one thing that a lot of people are excited about, in addition to, um, you know, knowing about Emperor Bellos and all that stuff, is definitely the Lumity moments. I mean, our friend Morgan Terry, who sadly could not be on the podcast, um, she posted a video reacting to that scene that we just mentioned about the, the Lumity moment, and she just freaked out mm-hmm. everybody freaked out with it it's like oh my gosh you know amity is blushing and now Luce is blushing what's this about so yeah it's gonna be a huge revelation for a lot of the owl house fans yeah and uh, you know i'll tell you what though like it seems that what's going on with um in the first five episodes was uh, a lot sooner than i thought it was gonna be so uh yeah i think it's um definitely gonna be uh i think uh this uh, relationship we're going to see between the two of them is uh, going to be very interesting indeed. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll just see all the twists and turns and uh, see what happens with it. By the way, um, I still hitch my wagon to the fact that, uh, you know, th- though um, what we saw in the, you know, also we saw like, you know, this whole thing with Reddit, like with your know, pain being spelled out in like, you know, in the ends of like, you know, sentences and things like that. I still believe like this is going to, the protagonists here are not going to be in as much danger as I think we're being led to believe. 
I don't uh, think. Well, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here's the thing about this: I, I just don't see them being that cruel. I I, I just don't, and uh, especially in Pride Month as well. You know, like mm. uh, I think uh, that's uh, yeah, because uh, you know uh, it kind of reminds me of like, do you remember when um, you remember when WWE uh, were about to do like a, a gay angle with like two of their wrestlers? And then what? they 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 did yeah they did Billy and Chuck and uh, they did like a whole they were gonna do like a whole elaborate wedding and things like that and uh, then they decided to back out at the last minute and so like uh, you know I just think that uh, I think if uh, the Outhouse did that there would be so much backlash I think mm. uh, from from Outhouse fans so they 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 need to they need to put their ear on the ground and they really need to hear what the audience is saying to them right now and right now with the way that they're distributing that show that doesn't sound. It doesn't sound very promising, but at the same time, I just don't believe that they can be that that ridiculous with it. So, let's see. See. So. And finally, um, we there has been a Among Us shaped chicken chicken McNugget that has sold for nearly one hundred thousand dollars. And Patricia, people have far too much money. Uh, that that you know to do shit like this. I'm swear. Yeah. Okay, L- let me get this straight. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And we have limited resources of a lot of things, food, water, essential things such as masks, gloves, toilet paper. And there may be a chance that there are a lot of people out there who have lost their jobs, lost their homes, lost their vehicles. And you have the gall to spend over $100,000, which could actually help out maybe a person in the you know who is homeless or uh, a family who are down on their luck and you decided to spend it on a chicken nugget that just so happens to be shaped of a character from among us this is probably one of the stupidest purchases i've ever heard it's like the person who bought justin bieber's lock of hair for forty thousand dollars it's like why Mm -hmm. So, uh, the buyer is unknown at the time of writing, so it's unclear with, with, with their huge Among Us fans, but uh, BTS fans are huge fans of both. Uh, they just really wanted Chicken McNuggets around the time of auction closing, so uh, we have hey, you no do realize, we You do realize that that Chicken Nugget is not going to look that way forever. It's going to mold and it's going to shrivel up, so it's not going to look the same way like 10, 20, 30 years from now. Well, and then you're gonna... uh, have you heard about the hot dog that's currently encased in plastic at the moment? No. Like, yeah, like, what they did was uh, someone made a hot dog, and, you know, they obviously fried it up and everything like that, and put uh, ketchup and mustard and uh, put it in a bun, everything like that, and then they encased it in, like, uh, I think it's, like, uh, some kind of, like, acrylic, I think it is, and uh, they've been, like, doing, like, updates on it, and, like, because, obviously, there's no oxygen that can get to it, and, obviously, it can't, obviously, like, you know, um, it can't, like, so, basically, it's not aging, so, basically, it's, like, it's, it's stuck in time, this hot dog. Okay, so I'm sure that the people who have spent $100,000 on this nugget, I'm sure that they have the money to do that. So, okay, fair enough. But still, it's just like... It's, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's, 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 uh, it's obscene compared to everything that's going on right now. So. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just... No. I mean, anybody can be able to make any shapes of any foods for a lot cheaper. I mean, have you seen like those um, food videos where they can make pancakes into the shape of any cartoon character that you want? Or, you know, you can even get cookie cutters. They can be able to customize and make them into any shape that you want. So it's, I mean, you know, just so happens, I mean, I've seen a potato chip that just so happened to have been shaped of Mickey Mouse at one point, but I didn't decide to save it and, you know, just like preserve it or anything like that or try to sell it offline. It just so happened to be a cool coincidence that it's like vaguely shaped like Mickey Mouse. It's like, oh, that's really cool, you know, but no, I mean, just that they decided to, oh, we're just going to sell it and some person is going to buy it. So good for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And on that uh, sad note, we end the show. So Yeah, so we're, we're just like E3. So we started <laughs> off in a bang, and then we ended in a whimper. So, yay. Did you know what? You know, kind of you know, I, I, no, I don't want Ashley to do this, but imagine if E3, like, uh, uh, when they end it, like, you know, they say, uh, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, you heard about that chicken nugget that got bought for $100,000, and then, like, uh, they come on stage and actually introduce the chicken nugget. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> EA bought the chicken nugget. And, like, uh, yeah. Mm. Or, or if we want to really pull off an EA, we'll just, like, you know, say, like, the first half of the show, and then we'll just have a little um, excerpt by saying, if you want to listen to the rest of Aaron and Patricia, uh, go over to Aaron and Patricia uh, on aaron.meta.co.uk, uh, uh, put in five ninety nine, and you can be able to listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah. It's just us burping in the microphone after uh, drinking too much, uh, you know. <laughs> Dr. Coca-Cola and Dr. Pepper or whatever. So Yeah, there you go. Okay, we're at the end of the show. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Episode 3 is next week. And take care, everybody. And we will see you next week. So All right, see you later. Bye-bye.